0: Business, thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step by step
1: booklet for you to now get. Oh, I make money, move. You can't see me, my time is now, 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 now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, a show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Menzel. I am your host, back with another installment of the Your 4 segment, four of your questions coming our way. But before we dive in, I'm joined by a new co-host. His name is Brandon. What's happening, Brandon? What's going on, man? We got a little bit of explaining to do for the listeners. We do, yeah. <laughs> what did you do with Caleb? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Caleb was on absolute fire in uh, in your four. The last episode of your four was actually our most downloaded episode of the your four segment ever. And uh, Caleb decided to bow out on a high note and uh, and and go and pursue uh, different interests. So um, Caleb uh, actually has. Uh, gone and taken a job with uh, a bunch of the Australian listeners would would be aware of the company's Good Life, uh, which is uh, probably the biggest gym chain in the country. Um, and so he decided that it was time for a new challenge, um, time to stretch himself. And you guys know, because you've been listening to Caleb's um, story over many episodes of Your Four, that that's kind of what he does and make sure that he keeps progressing and moving forward and leveling up. So we're super happy for him. Obviously sad to see him go. Um, I did ask him if he wanted to stay on with Your Four and he said, no, 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 I need to commit to, to this new uh, this new gig uh, 100%. So um, he has unfortunately left the show. But we now are joined by Brandon. Brandon, introduce yourself, man, so the listeners and the viewers know uh, a little bit about you.
0: Yeah, so my name's Brandon. Uh, I work in business development here at Massive Joe's. Been here for a bit now. Um, How long have you been working for the company? Coming up, I think, in the next week or two. It's my one year, so. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, happy birthday.
1: We'll have to to give you a little anniversary uh, cake or something.
0: Yeah, Um, like many of the viewers um, or listeners, committed to self-development, everything, everything the company's about, I, yeah, I've just enjoyed being here, so, yeah, um, yeah, very passionate about health and fitness,
1: Um, yeah. And you've kind of you've come up through the company in uh, really in quite a. I didn't realize it had only been a year. I was like, man, surely you're coming up to like three or four years. Uh, but you've you've risen very very quickly. You started uh, in a supplement specialist role in our retail stores. You excelled there. Uh, an opportunity came up for a business development assistant position. Uh, you put your hand up. Uh, you had a little bit of a trial period. You smashed it, uh, and now you work as our business development assistant in the business development. Part of the business um, under Vince. Yeah, uh, shout out Vince. Yeah, shout out to Vince, of course. And uh, and now you found yourself co-hosting the Your Four segment of the Fitness Times Business Podcast.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's come pretty quick. It's How all, good? Yeah, it's yeah, very good.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, man. It's so good to see. I'm I'm uh, I'm super happy for you, and I'm super excited to have you uh, on the podcast because I think you're going to be a really good co-host uh, for the Your Four segment.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm keen to really grow. Grow with the listeners and viewers. But yeah, just share, share my thoughts on things and hopefully bring a bit of value to the podcast.
1: 100%. All right. We have four questions. We do. Yep. Let's dive straight in. Cool. Question one. She's a long one.
0: I have a best friend of 35 years, but I've grown to be the opposite of what he is and how he prides himself. He's content with staying still, relaxing, chilling out, and most of the time he's just flat out lazy, which I respect as he's happy with that but I'm not aligned with that as I want to progress. I want more out of my life and to be pushed and to grow and never settle. It's tough to be around him now. And even though my love for his friendship is there, I don't want my mood or mind to be brought down by his aura. What should I do?
1: This is a situation that, a lot of people who are on a personal development journey will find themselves confronting multiple times. Sometimes it, it's with friends. Um, you know, this is a thirty-five, a friend of thirty-five years. So this is a this is you know this is like a childhood friend. Um, a lot of the times, it's family members as well. Uh, you you get to a point where it's like you know what I'm I'm trying to take my life to the next level, and the people who I have been spending a lot of time with and associating with, whether they're friends, whether they're family, whether they're acquaintances, whatever the situation, aren't on the same path that I'm on. And then you come to this point where it's like, uh, you know, uh, we're not really aligned. What do I do? So there's a couple of different options. The first option is you can just stop spending time with the childhood friend, with the lifelong friend. Um, a little bit more difficult when it comes to family because you can't just kind of stop spending time. I mean, you can if you, if you want one of, those, one of those dysfunctional family relationships. But, you know, that's obviously a, an option that you can kind of put on the table. Not an option that I personally recommend because, you know, your family members, your long-term friends, There's a, there's obviously a long-term relationship there. There's a lot of value there as well. The second thing you can do is you can appreciate that different people will come into your life and have a place in your life for different reasons right so if you have a friend of 35 years you guys have grown up together and you're at this point now where you're trying to take your life to the next level you're on a certain personal development path and they're not there yet or they may never get there they might just be comfortable doing what they're doing you say in the question that you respect that that's fantastic that could that can be the friendship right? You don't have to surround yourself every, with every single person who's going to lift you up and help propel you and who aligns with your personal development aspirations, right? You don't, you don't have to do that. In fact, I probably don't recommend it because it can become quite, quite toxic, right? You need those people in your life who are just good friends, who you've known for a long time, who you can sit back and you can have a whiskey and smoke a cigar and do whatever the fuck you do with your longtime friends and not talk about self-development and not worry about taking your life to the next level and just enjoy their company just because they're a good person. You guys have a lifelong relationship. You have a lot of history together and that's perfectly fine as well. So I think... You know, it's something that I see quite frequently. and something that I've experienced as well, uh, you know, as I've kind of come up is when you reach that point where there's incongruency or there's, there's a little bit of abrasiveness between certain family members and certain friends when it comes to your personal development, you can kind of compartmentalize that. And you can go, you know what? These people mean a lot to me. We're not aligned on, you know, the, the same path that our lives are going on and that's completely fine. I'm just going to love them for who they are and enjoy their company for who they are. 100%. Agree?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm similar as well. I've got different friends for different purposes, not purposes, but yeah, I've had high school friends, um, childhood friends that, yeah, they serve that purpose, but some of them don't align with how I, well, with my purpose and how I want to live my life. Yeah. But yeah, my, my immediate thoughts is you said he's happy and content with uh, how, he's, how he is, what his life's like. Um, I wouldn't try and change any of it, obviously. Um, but yeah, just spend, just spend less time with him. Um, less of your time with him if you feel like he's bringing down, you said he's bringing down your aura. I would just yeah appreciate that friendship for what it is. Mm. Um, Not cut him off, not completely cut him off, but just, yeah, cut, compartmentalize it for sure.
1: Man, I, like honestly, I have certain people in my life that I actually, a similar situation, that I actually enjoy spending time with because I'm almost a little bit envious that they are just, happy to kind of kick back and you know what, not, not really have the aspirations or the ambitions that kind of I have for my life. And they're super fucking happy. And I'm just like, man, I I respect that. And I actually enjoy spending time with them from time to time because it just allows me, you know what it brings to my life? It brings a bit of stillness. It brings stillness to my life. It allows me to take a step back. It's refreshing for sure. And go, you know what? Fuck man, the amount of pressure that I put myself under to try and, you know, uh, achieve the goals that I'm trying to achieve and try and fulfill my uh, personal success capacity and fulfill my ambitions. Sometimes it's actually good just to chill the fuck out and spend time with people who don't have the same level of ambition.
0: Definitely. And,
1: you know, as I'm getting older as well, I'm really appreciating that, um, you know, a lot more than I did When I was younger, for sure. 100%, man. Yeah, I agree. Fully. Next question. Next question. When you've lost your way
0: and you're feeling demotivated and low, what helps?
1: There's a couple of things you can do here, right? The the first one is if you haven't already set SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T goals… Uh, that's where you begin. If you have set SMART goals, you anchor back into them. What are SMART goals? For, for those of you who need a little refresher, or perhaps you haven't heard of the SMART acronym before. SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So you set goals that are very specific. They, you know, It's not kind of airy, fairy, pie-in-the-sky type shit. It is, I will lose this much weight. I will earn this much income per year. I will do whatever it is. It needs to be specific and quantifiable, right? And that leads into the M. The S and the M stands for measurable. It has to be quantifiable. You need to know whether or not you've reached it, whether you're on the right path. You can't just say, I want to lose weight. Well, how much weight you want to lose? Or I want to earn a good income. Well, what what does that look like to you? So it has to be measurable. It has to be quantifiable. It has to be achievable given your current circumstances, given where you're at in your life. There's no point if you're earning, uh, let's say, from an income perspective, forty thousand bucks a year, and you say, "I want to earn a million bucks a year in twelve within twelve months." Right? It's not achievable. Could happen, but it's not achievable. So you're gonna stress yourself the fuck out. So you need to make sure that your goals are achievable. Realistic, similar to achievable. So you need to understand that given your current situation, the goal is actually realistic. And then time bound, you need to put a time limit on it, right? So that you know, you know what? By this particular date, I want to lose 25 kilos of body fat. By this particular date, I want to be earning... $75,000 $75,000 per year, whatever it is. Time-bound because then it adds a little bit of stress. A little bit of stress is always good. Too much stress, not so good. But it adds a little bit of stress to make sure that you're progressing towards it. So that's SMART. That's the the, the structure for setting goals that I personally use. I use with all of my mentoring clients. And I really, you know, it's, it's, it's what I uh, recommend for everybody when it comes to setting goals. So if you haven't set SMART goals, set SMART goals. If you have set SMART goals, anchor back into them. When you're in a situation where you're feeling demotivated, so your motivation levels motivation levels generally, they're never consistent, right? You go through periods of high motivation and then you go through periods of low motivation and it kind of ebbs and flows, right? You have those periods, hopefully they last for as long as possible where you're super highly motivated and then you have those periods where for whatever reason, you're just not feeling it, right? You're feeling a bit low, you're feeling um, you know, demotivated for whatever reason. It's really important when you're in periods of low levels of motivation that you anchor back into your SMART goals and you start stacking small wins towards those SMART goals, right? They don't have to be big wins. It can be just little things every day, right? Because the habit stacking is what's going to pull you out of the low levels of motivation and put you back on track towards achieving your SMART goals. It's really important as well when you start habit stacking that you actually spend time celebrating your wins. Your little pats on the back that, that, you know what? I'm feeling really shit at the moment. I'm feeling demotivated. I'm feeling low, but I'm going to commit to anchoring back into my SMART goals. I'm going to get back to the basics. I'm going to start stacking those little wins and I'm going to pat myself on the back for them. And that's how you slowly start to move out of periods of low motivation and start building momentum to get yourself into periods of high motivation.
0: Yeah, I agree. Both of those. um, That's what I had my initial thoughts as well. Um, Goals are, they're huge. You need to get clear on what you want and why you want it. And then just um, write your goals down, plan each day as they come, and then just make sure you're executing those goals. Because when you're in periods of low motivation, that's when it counts the most.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and that kind of leads into there's, – there's an analogy that I want to share and there's a piece of really practical advice that I uh, have used time and time again to pull me out of periods of low motivation. And you also touched on it because you mentioned discipline as well. The analogy is the analogy of a rocket ship taking off, right? And we've all seen like a, a rocket launch, right? Back when they used to do the Apollo launches, we've all seen footage of that. You know, you've got thousands of people down in um, uh, in uh, Florida, I think is where they used to launch rockets from. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, rocket launch, you know, people around and the, this, the uh, rockets go off and the space shuttle launches and there's so much energy that goes into getting that rocket ship moving, right? Because it's still to begin with and we need to fire up those thrusters. We need to fire up those rockets. We need to put all so much thrust just to get the rocket ship into the air. And then it starts moving. And it moves faster. It moves faster. It moves faster. And then it's in orbit and it takes no energy. It just gets pulled by the gravitational field, right? So that initial stage of going from periods of low motivation to periods of high motivation is about building momentum, right? It's the rocket ship launching. It takes an immense amount of discipline. It takes an immense amount of energy. It takes an immense amount of conscious focus every single day. But through habit stacking, through stacking your wins, once you get moving, once you start to build that momentum, it becomes easier and easier and easier. Yeah,
0: and that just became, it just becomes routine. Um, initially, after you do start habit stacking, um, for sure, it is just momentum, man.
1: So the last thing I want to add here is one of the things that I preach very frequently is to make sure that you set good habits and good routines that support. Whatever goals are important to you in whatever area of life, when your motivation levels are high. Because when your motivation levels are high, when you've got forward momentum, that is the easiest time to do it, right? You can go, you know what? That habit, that routine doesn't serve me anymore. I'm going to replace it with one that does. And it's easy to do because my motivation levels are high. I feel motivated to do it. Fantastic. If you can do that when your motivation levels are high... And then all you have to have is the discipline to anchor back into them when your motivation levels are low. That's going to make launching that rocket and getting that momentum so much easier. Mm. Yeah, 100%.
0: Question number three. I have a management team of five in a high-paced environment where execution and planning is key. How do I get them to stop focusing on the negatives and start focusing on the positives? I find that the team, in a way, sometimes even gets joy out of calling out negatives. My method so far is to instantly redirect them into trying to navigate whatever issue it may be and plan around it. But for me personally, it sometimes gets exhausting. Any help would be appreciated.
1: Thanks. There's this concept that Tony Robbins, I think it's Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is definitely the person who I've recently heard talk about it. Um, it's called toxic positivity. And I'm going to paraphrase what Tony says. He says that, It's important that you don't skim the surface of the negatives or the challenges or the difficulty, right? Don't just kind of sweep it under the carpet or skim over the top of it and pretend that it's not there, right? You have to take the time to appreciate it for what it is. If there's something negative happening, you need to go, okay, you know what? Let's let's not make it less than what it is. Let's not make it… More than what it is, it's not the end of the world. The you know the sky is not falling. Let's just look at it for what it is, right? And let's acknowledge it for what it is. It might be something negative, might be a challenge, might be something really really difficult. The problem with sweeping it under the under the carpet, or the problem with skimming over the surface, is you don't allow yourself to experience the negative emotions associated with the negativity or with the challenge. Right. And if you don't, it's the the emotion pendulum, once again, if you don't allow yourself to fully experience the negative emotions, just like a pendulum, you're not going to allow yourself to experience the full range of positive emotions. So it's really, really important to just be aware of toxic positivity and to look at the negatives and to look at the challenges and go, the sky's not falling. It's not the end of the world, but it is really difficult. So let's acknowledge it. Let's talk about it. Let's sit with the negative emotions around it, right? That's the first thing to to, uh, to really be aware of, especially as a leader, especially if you've got, you know, you're managing four or five people in a high-paced environment, as this um, question has uh, described, really important to acknowledge the negatives. I think then once you've taken the time to acknowledge the negatives or the challenges you can start moving to focusing on the solutions you know what 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 are we going to do how are we going to come together as a team of five six people and how are we going to deal with this really tricky situation what are the solutions that we can come up with right so it's one thing to acknowledge the problem it's one thing to acknowledge the negativity it's another thing to focus on the problem Right? So we want, to, we want to make sure that refractory period is as small as possible. We don't want to sweep it under the carpet. We don't want to skim the surface. We want to sit with it. But then once we've acknowledged it for what it is, then how quickly can we go, okay, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the solutions to the problems. We need to make that refractory period as small as possible. And then the final piece is once the problem has been solved and there's always a solution – to any problem, nothing is as bad as you think it could possibly be, it's really important that you celebrate the wins together. It's really important that you get your, the, the five people you're responsible for. You all come together and you go, guys, remember last month or a couple months ago when we were speaking about that particular problem and we thought it was going to be really tricky and we got together, we put our heads together, we came up with a solution… We committed to the process of executing the solution and now look at where we are two months later. We fucking killed that shit. Let's celebrate that together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating wins is huge. Um, and just making sure like how often are you praising them when the positives are happening? Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's huge as well. Um, another one I think that is very important and almost, I wouldn't say underrated, but just look past in a lot of companies is company culture. Yes. Um, are you actively trying to improve your company culture? Because improving that company culture, you're going to build relationships with your team. Um, They're gonna trust you more, you're gonna build trust, and that's gonna be huge. Um, Just with the, the whole communicating, communicating the negatives, communicating the positives. Yeah.
1: And you know what, Brandon? I can speak from personal experience, right? Is one thing that will completely undermine any sort of company culture that you're working towards is if you skim over the surface of real problems, because I've done it before. I've done it before with my team, where I was like, "Fuck, this is a big problem," but I don't, I don't want to worry anyone with it, right? I don't want to. I, I'll acknowledge it, but I'm just going to skim over the surface. Ah, it's not that big a deal, right? Because you're starting to break trust with your team, right? Is they go, ah. Oh, Well, it seems like quite a big problem. Why is Joe not telling us about what's actually going on? Right? Because people are not stupid, man. Your your staff are not stupid. They know what's going on. They can see what's going on. Right? So now what do I do? I did this a couple of weeks back. You did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Everyone respected you when you came out and addressed a problem. You're fully transparent. And you can immediately see that just the trust everyone had.
1: 100%. And that is what builds company culture. Because it doesn't overplay a problem. It doesn't underplay a problem. It identifies a problem. It shares it with the team. It's a shared responsibility. All right, now what the fuck are we going to do to fix this? How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to do this, 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 this. Everyone's going to chip in. We're going to do this as a team. And on the flip side, we get to celebrate as a team. And that is, that goes from undermining company culture by skimming over the surface of problems to building the sort of company culture that man, people can only wish for, you know, Huge. that's real company culture. Huge. Yep. Last question. Last question. When
0: first expanding MJ, did you have your doubts? If so, how did you overcome them?
1: <laughs> this is, a, man, this is, this is a short question, but this is a loaded question. I have a… Um, I did. Actually, no, we, we we uh, my CBC keynote speech, which was actually an episode of this podcast. We took the audio of the speech and, and released it as an episode a few episodes back now. Um, we should really start numbering episodes so we know I can go. Episode number 98 was the CBC key, uh, keynote speech. Anyway, you guys have probably listened to it. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. It's only like three episodes ago, I reckon. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Um In that episode, I specifically speak about the three fears that prevent people from pursuing what it is they truly want to pursue. One of those fears is self-doubt, right? And that's what this question is about. This question is about self-doubt. The antidote to self-doubt is courage. That's it. It's the only antidote. You can say, oh, you know, I overcome self-courage with confidence and optimism and all this fluffy la-di-da bullshit. At the end of the day, if you have real self-doubt and you're actually questioning your ability, the only way you can get through that is to go, "I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know exactly what to do. I have a theory. I have a thesis. I don't have any guarantee of success, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that is the definition of courage. Moving forward without being able to see the exact road ahead without any guarantee of success, that is courage. The only antidote to self-doubt is courage. So back to the question, when first expanding MJ, did you have your doubts? Yes. The answer is yes. Fuck yes. Uh, And how did I overcome them? With courage. Let me add this though, because first expanding MJ, I mean, if you go back to like the the first, man, there's been so many different levels of expansion (laughs) over the years. Let's say, you know, the, the, probably the, One of the biggest one, biggest initial ones was getting into bricks and mortar retail stores, which started almost 10 years ago, started in 2013. That was a, that took a lot of courage, right? To go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a crack and let's just kind of see how it goes. This is what I'll add. The 10 years since then, the almost 10 years since then, I'm a lot further deeper into business. We've done a lot of different levels of expansion, whether it's you know, growing that retail store network from initially it was supposed to be two or three retail stores to we ended up opening 13 different retail stores, whether it's uh, setting up TMJ Apparel as a standalone company, uh, uh, man, there's so many different things. The deeper you get into business, the greater the self-doubt. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. They think the deeper you get into business, the more business experience you have, the less doubt you have because you've got confidence, because you've achieved some shit, right? You've done some shit. You've had the courage to confront the self-doubt. You've experienced certain levels of success and therefore it becomes easier to build that courage to confront the self-doubt. No, it's not true. The opposite happens. And the reason why the opposite happens is twofold. The first reason is because as you continue to expand and as you continue to take bigger and bigger and bigger steps, the self-doubt increases as it should, right? Because then we're not talking about opening one or two retail stores. We're talking about opening a group of 10 plus retail stores. That's a much bigger thing to confront. So there's a lot more self-doubt around that, right? We're not talking about running a little merchandising apparel on the side sort of thing. We're talking about starting a new fucking company that stands alone as its own brand. It's a much bigger goal. So the self-doubt is much bigger. Therefore, it requires more courage. The second reason why the self-doubt gets more difficult as you get deeper into business is because this is, really, this is really important. I want to take my time explaining this. The typical business journey or the typical entrepreneurship journey as has been popularized over definitely the last five years, but let's say probably the last, probably 2010s forward. The advent of social media, everyone wants to be a fucking entrepreneur and put fucking CEO in their bio and all that sort of bullshit, right? The popularization of entrepreneurship and business is that you win and then you win and then you win and then you win. And it's this linear path of just winning, right? The actual entrepreneurship journey is you fail, you learn some lessons, you win a little bit. Shit, you might win a couple. You might stack some wins. And then you come up against something and you fail. And then you know what? You make a wrong decision and you fail again. But it's okay because you learn a couple of lessons and then you pop another win on the board and you win again. And then a one in a hundred year pandemic comes along and you fucking go right back to the start. But that's cool because you learn some more lessons and then you win again. That is the actual entrepreneurship journey. It is this continuous cycle of wins and losses and learning from failures and stacking wins together. And then it's fucking snakes and ladders, man. It is literally a game of snakes and ladders. Because of that, you become much more conscious of the things that can go wrong and because you have much more idea about all of the different things that can go wrong, that actually creates more self-doubt. Which means the deeper you get into business, it's not like the self-doubt gets less. It's that you build more courage, right? If, if I think about the amount of courage that I have to exert in business now at this stage of my business journey. Compared to the courage I needed to exert, let's say, 10 years ago when we were scaling and expanding into bricks and mortar retail stores, it's a magnitude of 10. At least, probably more, if I have to really think about it. So the deeper you get into business, the greater the self-doubt, and hence the more courage is required. This is why I respect the fuck out of people that have been in business five years longer than I have, 10 years longer, 20 years longer. I'm like, man, fuck, imagine the sort of self-doubt that that guy or that girl confronts on a daily basis. And imagine the courage that they need to look that in the face and go, you know what? No guarantee of success. Don't care. You're going to do it anyway. It's crazy. Yeah, it's good shit, man.
0: Also, when you were first starting out as well, it would have been a big drive. It would have been passion as well. Still is. Yeah, making, making that leap from you're pretty, pretty comfortable. You had two degrees under your belt, corporate job, paying well, just leaping into what was the unknown. Um, yeah, passion was a huge driver and just knowing it's going to take time. But if you're, if you're truly passionate about something uh, and just know that you're going to be committed to the journey, um, put in the work and it's going to be, it's going to take years, but it will come into fruition.
1: Man, entrepreneurship is, is, it's such a, It's such a balancing act and I need to talk more about it, right? Because I do, and I've been guilty of this in the past is, you know, it's, it's the highlight reel. Like you talk about all of the, the, the good shit, right? And there is a lot of good shit. There's a lot of good shit. If you go into business and like you say, you've got passion and you've got courage and you've got conviction and you're willing to do whatever it takes, good shit will happen. But there's a lot of bad shit that happens along the way as well. It doesn't get shown. It doesn't get shown. It doesn't get talked about. And entrepreneurship is such a… Business is such a balancing act of… I know and I'm aware of all of the shit that can go wrong. And that awareness grows as you get deeper into business because you live more shit, right? Like you go back to me fucking five years ago. I would not have considered that there would be lockdowns <laughs> and they'd fucking shut shopping centers and closed borders and closed gyms. Never, inconceivable. But i have live through it now. So now I go, well, phew, small chance, but still a chance, right? It's this balancing act of understanding all the stuff that can go wrong, being aware of all the stuff that can go wrong, confronting bigger and bigger levels of self-doubt with growing levels of courage and holding on to that sometimes very little glimmer of optimism and confidence and hope that, no, 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 this is where, this is where we're heading. That's where we're going to end up. And sometimes that can be like you look up the fucking night sky and you see that star off in the distance. That's what it is. It can be this little tiny star and it's so far away and you question whether you'll ever get there. But it's being able to hold that and having the confidence that you will and having the courage to go through whatever it takes to get there. But on the other hand, also holding, well, there's a chance that all this shit can go wrong. That's business. That's entrepreneurship. That's the reality of entrepreneurship. And that's why it's so fucking difficult. Mm.
0: I mean, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable 95% of the time, but discomfort is just growing growing pains, really. Mm-hmm. So That's a wrap. That's it,
1: man. That's the four questions. Yep. All right, Done. we need to close out, Brandon. So there's a couple of things. Firstly, where are we sending questions to now? It's not going to Caleb anymore. Caleb's probably still getting questions every day.
0: (laughs) I mean, you can still send them to Joe. Um, You can send them to Joe, but he'll probably send them to me now. Yes, I Um, I will. I'll screenshot and send them straight to you. So if you don't want them to get missed, um, hit me up. My Instagram is just my first and last name, Brandon Birdie, V-E-R-D-E.
1: Yep. No dots or nothing. That's it.
0: No dots. Just, yeah, I've got the…
1: And it's Brandon. Because some people… I had someone call up the other day and they wanted to email you and they had Brandon in there.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's Brandon. Brandon. B-R-A-N. Yes. D-O-N.
1: yes B-R-A-N-D-O-N-V-E-R-D-E. That's where you want to send send Brandon it, man. send Brandon a, uh, an Instagram DM uh, with your questions and he'll collate uh, four of the best questions for ongoing episodes of Your Four. Guys, the other thing that we ask is uh, if you enjoy listening to the show, if you're taking value out of the show, you guys know we don't run ads on the show. We don't run ads for the show. The way that we have grown this podcast is 100% through organic word of mouth. So we rely on you guys to help us continue to reach as many people as possible. So the best way you can do that is take a screenshot on your favorite podcasting platform, whatever you're listening on at the moment. It can be iTunes, Spotify, whatever. It doesn't matter. Take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story, tag myself at Joseph Mansell. Tag Brandon. You've got his handle because we just spelt it out for you. And we love seeing those and we'll repost as many of them as possible. And that's the way that you guys can help us reach your friends, your fans, your followers and spread the word of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. Brandon.
0: Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure, man. It has been, man. Yeah. Good one. It's, it's good to be here.
1: First, first cab off the rank, hey? Done. I'm excited for, uh, for where we're going to take your for in the future. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the footpath. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.